Chapter 8 Wow, ain't life just great? When Harkeen first awoke, he felt like killing himself. It seemed the humane thing to do. When his spine felt like it just split open and given birth to morbidly obese triplets, he opened his eyes and saw a ceiling of water-rotted wood. There was a faint smell of blood in the air, but it was overpowered by bitter herbs and a sea that smelt like its diaper hadn't been changed in weeks. He tried to sit up, but failed on first go. The second was met with only mild success, since he was pretty sure that last attempt snapped the last strand of his spinal cord. He felt like jelly that had been repeatedly stabbed with a butter knife. His throat was dry, his eyes were too wet, and his tongue still hurt from when he'd bit it. He also felt like vomiting, and he was pretty sure he was on the whoops washing smudge list when he realized he had no idea where he was, which wasn't generally a pleasant feeling when waking up after being stabbed. Hunky took a deep breath and stood up with a <sighs> His bones creaking the whole way up. He chilled and numbed his legs. He glanced down, found himself pantless, but still in his underwear. His stomach was neatly wrapped in gauze, his hand was bandaged, too. The side of his neck was patched and stiffer than dragon bone. He saw his clothes folded atop a rotting stool by his satchel. His dagger and a scribbled note sat atop them, and he mentally cursed himself for quickly swiping up the note, expecting it to say something he couldn't even imagine or comprehend. He'd been right on both regards, and scoffed at himself with a garbled mess thrown up all over it. That must have been a signature at the bottom. A signature he didn't think was six sacks. So he just crumbled it up and tossed it to the floor. He picked up his dagger and unsheathed it. The blade was clean of blood and polished and he quickly seized it back. He found his shirt and pants to be clean too. Buffed with the bigger clumps of blood, but still littered with nicks and slits. And that stain no amount of washing could ever remove. Harkito <clears throat> did as he crouched to dig through his satchel. The first thing he searched for was his coin bag, and when he found it, its weight had noticeably tripled. His mind raced, but he quickly shoved the money back into his satchel and tried to forget what he hoped was just the poison talking. He made his way for the exit. The old wooden floorboards creaked beneath his every step, and the worn walls themselves seemed to weaken and grow shabbier as he walked. Harkeed rested his hand on the doorknob. He took a deep breath and exhaled. He didn't know what he expected when he swung open the door, but he knew it wasn't just a two-ripe sea and a fog-ridden wharf. He shut the door behind him, and to his relief found bees tied to a post just outside. They regarded each other with a familiar <laughs> and a silent fart on bees' end. Harkeed lit a cigarette and leaned against the moldy shack. The penicillin would do it good, he figured as he waited and waited and waited some more. On his fourth cigarette before his bladder threw a tantrum, and he was in search for a somewhat appropriate place to piss, which was probably his pants, judging by the smell of people that passed him by. He settled for a spot to the side of some random shack, where a gentleman was relieving himself at the supposed public urinal. They gave that cordial bathroom nod, the sort when you realize the other is there, but you're most certainly not looking at their dick nod. And they both hurried on their way. Herkid had no idea where he was going, but he had a good idea where he was. 
There are only so many seaports, and this one was small and non-commercial, probably only sought to maintain itself in a few nearby inland towns. As an old man with blubbery features and a sea-beaten blob of a body crept by, Hugkeet asked, Hey, what day is it? The old man's laugh <coughs> sounded kind of painful, like a starfish had gotten lodged in there a few years back, but his fingers were too arthritic to wrench it out. Have the bottle already? Asked the old man, who hadn't actually hit the bottle that morning, but had been hit by a bottle that morning. Such was the life of a sailor, and a man who got his jollies hitting himself in the head with a bottle. I wish that was it. No, just lost track of time. Lies and drugs, and it's the fifth. Lay all that stuff. Killed my brother today. Never would have joined the choir, the poor motherfucker. Or he just turned around and left. From what he had surmised, he'd only been out a day or so, and he wasn't surprised. His back still felt like it was crowning, like maybe it had actually been pregnant with quadruplets, but the fourth was just too damn fat to fall out. It didn't really matter. Her key had more important things to worry about, really. Really, really important things, or thing, rather, that haunted his every dream, and every long, long, so very long, sober, sober, so very sober hour. A pesky little thing that he guessed had managed to drag him there before paying for a room with money that Hokey knew where he'd gotten it and didn't question further. Life was for the not dead. People died all the time. Sometimes parents don't hug you enough and sometimes you wish you'd stayed home and gotten drunk instead. Sometimes bad things happen to bad people and Hokey didn't feel bad about people dying. They were just another thing out there in that shithole, wasting space and carrying on despite an impending death no one cared about. Life was a dredge of misery, and his tongue still hurt from where he'd bit it. He was feeling suddenly philosophical as he walked through the wharf, and to a pier where he sat and stared off into the sea, his feet hanging over the end, and the tide too quiet beneath him. It was no stump, but it do as he thought on the complexities of life of the detachment he felt from it, and the pain he felt so deep inside, he wasn't sure if it was from his feelings or the spot where he'd been stabbed. The fog was a condensing, as Harky had sat there in silence. The boats were docking, and sailors and fishermen were griping about the shitty weather, and people scudded past him until no one in their right mind remained outside. A storm was coming, an intense one Harky could tell, as the waves started to slosh against the ends of the water-rotted wharf, higher and higher, and the fog thickened and thickened, and the wind started to whirl and whoosh around him. And even through this shrill, brewing storm, Harky knew someone was behind him, waiting until he couldn't wait any longer. Hey. Harky had stubbed out what was left of his cigarette, not bothering to look as Six X sat beside him. He started to, but made himself stop. He saw the white of his skin and the tips of his clawed fingers digging into his knees, his tail wrapped around his middle as the tuft of white fluff fluttered in the breeze. But Harkeen couldn't look any further. Sixak didn't say anything, didn't make one noise as he sat, 
and how he knew himself to be an idiot, the biggest idiot, because he looked at Zigzag, who sat poised and alert, and no longer a dull white, but a brilliant, beautiful white that shone through the fog like a lighthouse, a light that was surely even brighter than Harkeet had ever seen it, a light that was brighter than any Harkeet had ever seen before, except that one time he'd been dared into staring at a phoenix's butthole for an hour. He chose very quickly to ignore the faded red discoloring on Sixx's washed gown. The wind was rushing past them, blowing Sixx's long hair and fluffy ears to and fro, and even his eyelashes fluttered with the wind, and that howl of the storm sounded so eerie and so otherworldly as Harkeed watched it harass and dance with Sixx. A zigzag didn't just look inhuman, but like some sort of ghost staring out at sea. It reminded him of one of those myth sea towns always had, where a sweet, buxom maiden who made very poor life choices waited and waited until her very last breath for her long-dead love who was super-fucking-dead. But she waited for him to return from sea because she was super-fucking-in-love and super-duper-stupid. Where even her ghost was bound to that spot on the dock, or cliff or wherever was dim and desolate forever and ever. Harkeet had to give a low, <laughs> but how stupid he felt for even thinking that. And he could tell that Six had glanced over at the sound before he quickly looked away. Harkeet looked down at his hands, and then out to the sea. Did you leave the bodies? Rain started to pepper down on them. Six didn't respond. But his slim little fingers intertwined, while claws as white as mold rested against his skin as white as the moons themselves. Harkey had always wondered how he didn't tear his skin that seemed so sheer and fragile, with claws that were so sharp and deadly and appearing anything but kind. Answer me! But Sixack didn't answer him again. Harkey grabbed onto Sixack's shoulder and shook him, shook him. Answer me, Doomsdammit! No! No what? No, you left him or no? I didn't leave them. Harkeed stared into those bottomless, glowing eyes. And eyes that were shining like little crystal droplets in a pool of old blood. But they were different than usual. Inhuman still, but seeming so human to him. And it was strange to Harkeed that he understood that look, even though it seemed so different than what he saw in the mirror. He stared at those endless, twinkling eyes. At eyes and skin and tail and hair and claws that appeared so white and luminous and alive. No longer gray. No longer silent or tired or hungry. What did you do? But Harkey knew what he had done. Zigzag stared at him, terrified. So Doom's damn terrified. More terrified than Harkey had ever seen, even under his own blood-soaked hands. As he looked at Harkeed and said, I ate them. And it was then that the storm finally hit.